Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. Today, reports are the Fran that Francis may sign and promulgate his document restricting the traditional Latin Mass. As a consequence of that, many Catholics are allowing themselves to sort of wallow in the pits of negativity. Let's not do that. We're better than that, but... Also, let's take a realistic assessment of the things we're seeing spiritually right now because our goal as Catholics is to attain heaven. That is the purpose of everything in our faith, from the Eucharist to approved Catholic prophecies and everything in between. To attain heaven, that's literally what the sacraments are for, to help us do that. So let's take a moment to examine something here that was brought to my attention. Many Catholics have said to me, publicly and privately, that the traditional liturgy bolstered their faith when they were in the Novus Ordo and being confronted with modernism right in front of their faces to the point where maybe they had actually thought about, well, leaving, and then they discovered sacred tradition. I was reminded of something Malachi Martin said publicly and privately to people who knew him well, and I'll go over this again, that the worst punishment God can send to mankind is the widespread walking away from the faith. And I can tell you candidly that the traditional liturgies of both the Latin Rite and the various Eastern Rites of the Church bolster the faith by presenting something so self-suspending in the worship of God that much of the intangibles of the faith begin to sort of coalesce. So any movement against that liturgy is something to be suspicious of. So let's talk about this because, as we might find out, we need to really understand what we're talking about in a way that people can grasp. The notion that Francis' document may come today on Friday, July 16th, comes from Rorate Chaley and has been repeated elsewhere. Rorate Chaley reports that trustworthy sources of theirs in Rome report that the document may be released today at some point. You may be seeing this already by the time you click on this video. If that is the case, I'll endeavor to have it available as a special news item on Saturday morning or as a second video on Friday, meaning today. Rorate Chaley is pretty good with this kind of tip giving as they don't rush to report on shaky things normally. So I'll echo their call that they make in their reporting on it too for prayers to Our Lady of Mount Carmel to help avert this. An interesting anniversary came and largely went without most Catholics noticing. 104 years ago this past Tuesday, July 13th, was the anniversary of the Fatima children receiving the vision of hell. There are pictures of them online where they have this haunted look in their eyes. And what is it that they saw? Souls falling like snow into the pit. That is what they saw, and that vision in the film was so badly handled that it honestly made it easier to pick the rest of the film apart after seeing it. It was very full, and according to their vision, because people fall into the sins that are promoted by the world. And this was at a time when many traditional Catholics say that the church was at its strongest and most vibrant. You quickly learn to dismiss that view when you read the various magisterial documents of that time, where the bishops and popes were raising the alarm at the things they were seeing, not only in the culture, but also within the hallowed halls of the church itself. And those documents I feature every Saturday on this channel for a reason. And then, you, of course, you fast forward a few decades, and a mass exodus from the church begins, spurred on, at least in part, by a promulgation of new liturgy and new teachings that were frankly and obviously originating from some other place than the church, and then passed off as Catholic. Now, perhaps blaming the liturgical changes isn't fair in the eyes of some, but they were part of a package deal in the springtime of the Church of the New Advent. There is an old saying in the church, Lex Orande, Lex Credendi, Lex Vivendi. As we worship, so we believe, so we live. An article from Catholic.org really does a good job of explaining this in a way that even I can understand, since I am often dense about some things. Quote, 
The phrase in Latin literally means the law of prayer. The way we worship is the law of belief, what we believe. It is sometimes expanded to as lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, further deepening the implication of this truth. How we worship reflects what we believe and determines how we will live. The church has long understood that part of her role as mother and teacher is to watch over worship for the sake of the faithful and in obedience to the God whom she serves. How we worship not only reveals and guards what we believe, but guides us in how we live our Christian faith and fulfill our Christian mission in the world by manifesting the continuing presence of the risen Jesus Christ. Liturgical worship is not an add-on for a Catholic. It is the foundation of Catholic identity, expressing our highest purpose. Worship reveals what we truly believe and how we, tr we view ourselves in relationship to God, one another, and the world into which we are sent to carry forward the redemptive mission of Jesus Christ. End quote. Pretty straightforward, I'd say. Thus, when we get the irreverent clown masses with secularized homilies that promote a works-based doctrine accompanied by modernist hymns that are often borrowed from our so-called separated brethren, there's a problem, because those things aren't identifiably Catholic in any meaningful sense. And if the maxim lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi is to be believed, then worship that is deficient in any way at the mass impacts how we live our lives. I don't think it's a coincidence that among Novus Ordo attendees, belief in the real presence is only held by about one in three Catholics, while at the TLM it is held by 98% of attendees. And that's the tip of the iceberg. On any hot topic, hot button topic that the church tends to object to the world's values on, in the Novus Ordo you tend to get the vast majority of Catholics consistently siding with the world and not with the church. And then there's the modernist prelates, all by now formed in the new mass, save for the very oldest among them. When we witness the alliance between Caesar and the church, this construction of the ape of the church that I'm constantly talking about, there's little wonder about where this comes from. Sever the liturgy from its historic past and deep theological ties to everything Catholic and replace it with a committee-designed thing that was meant to appeal to our so-called separated brethren. It is little wonder, then, why the churches are increasingly empty anywhere you go and the prelates preaching secular materialism, except, of course, in traditionally-minded parishes in both the east and west of the church. There, rigidity reigns supreme, where people take Scripture's command to hold fast to what we are taught, whether written or spoken, and take it rather seriously. But those engage in what they've euphemistically dubbed renewal have always done the same thing everywhere in history, co-opted some of the trappings of the group they now run while severing it from its most important aspects of history. And that is what is undeniably true here. And thus, when they speak of a hermeneutic of continuity, anyone who really examines this question in any detail just laughs because there cannot possibly be continuity when the same people who dubbed that term referred positively to Vatican II as France in 1789 in the Church. In an email discussion I had recently over the video I did this week on the role Cardinal Becciu played in being the scapegoat for the Vatican bank messes and that whole topic's larger role in the building of the ape of the church, the listener I had the discussion with brought this up. In the beatific vision, there is no sorrow or, or unhappiness. However, the beating heart of the ape of the church is the fallen angelic spirit of the adversary. Its lifeblood is the synthesis of all heresies, modernism. It's covered by the worms of the moral decay decried by Pope Benedict XVI when he spoke about moral relativism. Perhaps this is why Our Lady of La Salette is depicted as weeping. Weeping, although there is no sorrow in paradise. And you'll remember, Our Lady of La Salette is the one who famously said that Rome will lose the faith and become the seat of Antichrist. This is the paradox of the broken heart of the mother of humanity. Her son will not tolerate his mother's sorrow indefinitely, especially when a sinful humanity and corrupted church is the cause. And I'll add to that thought that the decay we see in the broader society writ large has been ongoing 
for far more than a century really before the council. Honestly, it began with Luther, Calvin, and his cohort of rogues who decided that Christendom as a project was over, and instead what was needed was first theological rugged individualism, followed by secular rugged individualism. But it is no coincidence that shortly after the close of the council, which parish life was in chaos in every part of the church around the world, while the faith itself was being reinvented by figures who would start calling the Catholic Church the Church of the New Advent, that while this was happening, the broader society was suddenly upheaval on issues that have been the bedrock of the culture, that impurity would suddenly become omnipresent, that authority itself would become overtly wicked, that the faithful would stop attending Mass in shockingly high numbers. None of that is a coincidence, because as the Church goes, so goes the world. I'm reminded of something Malachi Martin said in numerous interviews, and I said it at the beginning of this. He said rather bluntly that the worst chastisement our blessed Lord Jesus Christ can send a man is the loss of faith. This is because if God has visited this chastisement on you, you do not realize you have lost your faith. Otherwise, you'd move heaven and earth to get it back. The heart of modernism is a sense of faithlessness, a sense that nothing really matters but the material. That we must not be meanie, judgy types, but instead must accompany everyone and anyone on their journey, even if that journey is on the wide and easy road that our Lord warned us about. Hence the sermons on Sundays about whatever issue is in vogue with our secular masters, while the four last things as a subject are rarely discussed. This is why rigidity is so hammered on by Packa Papa Francis, why the figures he is spending his time going after are the rigid traditionalists, and not the German bishops who simply want to make more secular the church in Germany. I mean, he went after groups of nuns for being contemplatives, for being the types who spend their days in prayer for the rest of the church, while he fully embraces and endorses the things that Pastor Jimmy Martin preaches about on a regular basis. But remember, our Lord does triumph in the end, and Our Lady gave us the mechanisms for fighting back, the Holy Rosary, prayer, penance and fasting, and of course the keeping of the Five First Saturdays devotion, which I've done numerous videos on in the past. And if you haven't kept the Five First Saturdays devotion before or don't know what it is, watch the video at the end of this one and you'll find out. What do you think about this? Is this recent push against traditional Catholics because the mere presence of people who hold the traditional faith of the church an affront to the project of building the ape of the church? Let me know your thoughts on this in the comments, please. And like, subscribe if you haven't, and click that bell. It really does help. As always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.